Welcome to the Quiet in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McDonald. And I'm Noah Philman. Quiet in Front is your newest place for all things cinema. Join Mike and Noah as we break down the newest trailers or the hottest films, along with our thoughts and opinions on movies that shaped generations. And remember, we watch so you can listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Quiet in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McDonald, along with my fellow co-host. I'm Noah Philman, and it has been uh, it's been quite a journey just to get here, huh? But oh, it's nice it's, it's nice to finally be here. We have a reason to get the podcast going. Oh, I definitely, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we've been talking about this for at least uh, about half a year now. We kind of brought it up, uh, what last winter, end of last winter, beginning of the spring. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, it's going to branch out into so many other things. We feel, um, but it's just it's finally it's 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 great to finally be here. It's great to finally be doing be doing something. I'm very excited to be here as well. And we actually have a couple, a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, you know, for starters, we're going to be reviewing Venom, Let There that Be Carnage. Do. Then we're going to be kind of breaking down what got us in the film. So we're giving you our top three, top five movies of what kind of got us in the cinema. And to round it all up, we're going to be doing a little game that you can play along at home with called Guess That Film. We'll talk more about that when we get to that segment. But for now, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. We were pretty... We Let's felt, talk about Venom. <laughs> we really were kind of feeling the same way about it when we left the theater a week ago. Yeah, so. I mean, listen, the film is watchable. It's certainly a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's very hit or miss as to as to what aspects of film are, are really good in it. Uh, start. I, I mean, I, I just want to talk about like a, f- a few different things from it. The set pieces are gorgeous. I mean... Th- like running through the city with Eddie and Venom at different points, and even with with Venom and Anne, because he takes he takes over uh, Eddie's girlfriend's uh, body at some point. It's beautiful seeing the, seeing this uh, city in the background as Venom's doing his little parkour thing, and then we have a final act at a cathedral, which is really really beautiful, honestly. And the CG works well; everything's blended together pretty well. A uh, few things don't really work. Uh, oh, please! Oh, I th- we felt the same way about. We looked at each are, other in the theater for this yeah, one. Yeah, there are a couple. There are a couple choices that that kind of kind of went amiss. Um, the costume design uh, don't really convince me that Woody Harrelson should have been playing the character he's playing. Of course, he plays the psych the psychopathic serial killer in the film, uh, Cletus Cassidy, who's taken over by by the Carnage symbiote. Um, but they constantly dress him like a mobster almost, almost like he's got a lot of money hidden off somewhere, which is really strange because he just breaks out of jail and then suddenly he's perfectly groomed. He's dressed to the nines, ready to go out for a night out, you know, in the right. town. I mean, he's stealing cars, which I guess checks out for the criminal personality. But there's one big thing. This there's is the one thing that I've seen a lot of people also be hating on right now. Yeah, because it's absolutely ridiculous. At one point... <laughs> He breaks into a convenience store, beats the hell out of the cashier there, and then uses his computer. Why does he use his computer, Michael? He uses his computer to track down the girlfriend that he's been separated from for God knows how many years now. 20, 30 years, something like that. They didn't give us much of a timeline in the film. Uh, Another small complaint, but something that can 
easily be forgiven. Uh, so he tracks his girlfriend down t- through this computer uh, <laughs> and somehow finds a government, uh, like a government server, finds where she's being held. I mean, breaks oh. encryptions just to find it. But how does he do it? How does he do it, Michael? Please, t- <laughs> please, please, please tell me. The please symbiote forms me. like a USB drive to hack into the computer. He's, it's literally a USB drive. He sticks his slippery little licorice fingers into the ports in the side of the laptop, and it is horrendous. We both looked at each other, and we were just like, Yeah, what? I, lo- I looked <laughs> what? at Mike in the theater, and I just, I didn't know what I was watching anymore. It was really, it was really tough to come back from that, but I think the third act of... The film itself was one a lot of fun, uh, and two it actually brought back an element from earlier in the film. But earlier in the film, we have a stat in Act One. We established that Cletus Cassidy's girlfriend. Oh wait, before before we get right? in, uh, spoilers. Oh, big spoiler, spoiler warning. Big spoiler. If you haven't seen the film, uh, by the time this comes out, it should be the two week spoiler ban. So if you haven't seen it, it's your fault. But you know, right? Just big spoilers ahead. All right, right. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Uh, in Act 1, we are introduced to Woody Harrelson's character, Cletus Cassidy, and his girlfriend, who is Shriek, a metahuman with the ability to essentially yell like a banshee. Now, if you ever know, if you know anything about symbiotes like Venom, Carnage, Riot, what have you, um, they are weak to two things, specifically, fire and loud noises as we saw from the masterpiece that is Spider-Man 3. Oh, don't even get started on that. That's a whole, that's a whole video or a whole podcast in its entirety right there. Talking just about the movie. Raimi trilogy. <laughs> the Raimi trilogy. Um, but it does bring that back into, uh, into later scenes where it actually hints at Cletus and Carnage not really being compatible. They, they disagree on a lot of things where, where Eddie and... Uh, where Eddie and Venom are are very agreeable. They're actually friendly toward each other. Um, so Carnage actually takes over and kind of attacks Cletus's girlfriend, and that's brought back in the whole in the third act. And that actually was a really good callback. That was a good way to set it up because they're kind of yelling at each other about it through every scene they're in. I really wish they dove a little more deeper into that whole idea. Like his, he can't be around. Like his love is a way that can kill him kind of thing too. Yeah. Like, you know, he's been trapped away for so many years and he finally gets to be with the love of his life, but then she has an ability that can hurt him. Right. It's a, it's almost like uh It's poetic. It's it poetic. is. It's it's like poetry. It took the words right from me. <laughs> That's what George Lucas likes to say. It it's, rhymes. It's poetry. It rhymes. Oh, <laughs> uh, George Lucas we we have some words for George Lucas. Mo- mostly good, but That's again some, some pretty shaky. Another day. Another a story day for another day. But I, I over, overall though, um, the third act as you were getting to is, it's visually good. A lot of nods to Amazing Spider-Man too, right? right? In the bell tower when Venom's holding on. To, yeah, it's pretty on the nose. It literally, I was like, are they about to pull an Amazing Spider-Man two in my Venom movie? Right. I was and, like, <laughs> I can't. I mean, somewhat they did where he like lowers her slowly and he saves Anne, and then um, Shriek doesn't make it. I don't think. Well, if you don't see a body. This is my this is my go to. If you don't see a body, then the person's not dead. <laughs> if you don't, it, it, when it when it comes to film, yeah. If you don't, because it's happened. Look at something like The Mandalorian. You know, you know, we didn't see Boba Fett die in Return of the Jedi. He comes back in Mandalorian. You know, I suppose I suppose you're right. But that was like a combination of like fan theories and just 
just hype behind the character, I think. I don't think there's enough hype behind Shriek to get her back. Well, I mean, according to... She might be a, mu- a mutant, though. That That's that's another big thing, that she could be a mutant, which ties into the X-Men. As, oh, bringing in X-Men. Yeah, well, as we're going to discuss with the post credit scene, you know, this is in, not in the MCU timeline, so it, this could be one of the first introductions of mutants outside the main MCU timeline. Could be. You might have, you might be absolutely right, but the real reason to see the movie, like go for the movie, it's enjoyable, it's watchable. It's definitely this a seven out of ten. If you really are just like it's a popcorn film, it's definitely go get yourself a big bucket of popcorn and just have a good time. It's not yeah, don't think about it too much. It's not going to blow your socks off. It's not going to be like an Avengers Endgame. Honestly, it's not even Venom One. I enjoyed Venom One a lot more than this one, but you know, yeah. Despite the like poetic nature of some of the aspects of the film, it's not. A very layered movie don't look into it too much it, it doesn't mean like anything for a bigger universe besides the post credit scene other which, than the post credit scene which exactly i think right. is what saved this movie for me personally this movie was sitting around a b minus for me at least got me to an a minus th- this post credit scene uh I, I i don't think i'd i don't think i'd give it a rank of a because i think the the movie itself brought itself down a little bit too much um but Definitely go see the movie. It's fun. Um, it's it's. I, I personally am under the belief it's not a very good movie, but a movie doesn't have to be very good to be fun. And you'll hear me say that a lot. Oh. It's not a good movie, but it is freaking fun. Um, so def- So go see the movie to have fun during the actual two hours that it takes place. It's a nine, No, it's 90 minutes, hour and a half. It's really? short. It was short. You know, it's only 90 minutes. So again, That's why I felt so fast. If you want a quick movie just to go see on the weekends or, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, definitely good to go bring the kids to, I feel like. Right. But the real reason, if you're looking for like a deeper, like meaning cinema, cinematically is the post crediting. And I think we could just get it out there. Venom is now in the main MCU timeline. Venom has been transported to the MCU. And, it's it's unclear whether it was during WandaVision or Loki when they crossed the threshold. Or if it's Doctor Strange is doing in the potential No Way Home movie or that's coming out. if it's all three. It could be all three. I, really. It could be all three. Yeah, um, you're right. But now we, are, we have Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock in the MCU. Our new Venom is now obsessed with our new Spider-Man. He licks him. He licks the TV. That's a little weird, but, you know, Andy Serkis... You don't lick your TV? You're weird. I, you know, <laughs> I can't say I do, but then again, if Tom Holland's on it, I don't know, you know? If Tom Holland... Tom Holland is a tasty man. <laughs> a tasty man, indeed. Oh, we love Tom Holland so much. Uh, I, but, like, when we were in the theater, we kind of expected it to be... Like, we were talking about right. going in. We were like, it's probably going to be something No Way Home related. But honestly, we I was a little too optimistic. And I was like, you know, it probably isn't going to happen. But then it did. And I was like, oh, wow, this well, is great. It would have made sense because up until... Uh, up when the movie came out, like, there were a whole bunch of things on, like, Instagram and Twitter talking about don't spoil Venom. And we're like, up until now, this movie has just been like advertised as a one-off nothing like really spoiler worthy but then they said don't spoil it and then tom holland put on his instagram story about how like it's really one to watch and it's the like, director andy circus like the post credit scene is huge you gotta stay for it right you know? so that that was the big hint that that um i think i think they could have given away much less with the lead up of the movie um but either way damn good post credit scene Damn good. It was short and sweet to the point. I also really like how 
Venom's world's more dark and gritty. You know, you could see that from right. But like when he shifted into the MCU timeline, it was bright, colorful. There was like funny jokes that like most of the MCU movies have, that guy walking out of the bathroom. So it makes it really clear to them, not just like to casual fans, but the diehard Marvel fans. Like he's now in the MCU timeline. The, yeah, the the environment totally changes. The atmosphere is is polar opposite of what it was literally 10 seconds before um but that that is kind of huge it really is because now we're kind of getting the sense that sony and disney are kind of getting along a little bit more and they're kind of doing things for the fans which is nice it's a money grab no doubt oh i mean spider-man no way home which is probably one of the biggest cash grabs of recent years but we're gonna go see it either way i think it's gonna make more money than endgame i'm gonna see it in theaters more than once Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. I mean, and definitely a little a little uh, spoiler ahead for us. We're actually going to be doing a episode right when the film drops. We're going to talk about our thoughts. So keep an eye out around the, sem- the end Fresh of December. Fresh out of the theater. Fresh out of the theater. So keep an eye out because that's going to be one of our big episodes coming up in the Absolutely. next few months. We're very excited for that. Oh, we've been talking about it since, you know, the trailer came out back in August. So September. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're just overall excited. I think Venom will be a fun inclusion. We don't know if he's villain. Or if he's a friend, an ally of Spider-Man yet, but it looking more like it could be more of a foe. I so. think it's. I think it's going to be. I don't know. I think they're going to try and maintain Venom's anti-hero status. I think Eddie Brock is definitely going to be like, don't eat people still, but Venom is going to find an unhealthy obsession with Spider-Man because that's how it. I mean, that's how it is, and. In the comics, mm-hmm. Venom just because because that's why Venom is attached to Spider-Man in the first place. He knows it's a powerful being, and he knows that he can really suck the life out of him while also being the strongest that he can be. Um, so I think Venom is going to have the villainous kind of mentality, but Eddie Brock is going to try and stop him. So Venom, what I think we're going to see. I think we're gonna see Tom Holland symbiote suit at some point in the future. If it's really? not, you if it's so? not new way or new way, uh, no way home, it's gonna be later on. I think we're because, I mean, if we're gonna have Venom meet Spider Man, we're gonna have Spider Man meet Venom. It's not gonna like. There's no two ways about it. They have to combine. We have to see the symbiote suit at some point. I think sooner or later, and I think if. Venom doesn't go back into his timeline right away uh, at post No Way Home, then yes, I could definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited for where we're going. We're very excited. I think Venom is going to, is a good stepping stone. I hope Eternals, which is the next Marvel movie, might have a good post credit scene uh, involved, like involving the whole multiverse aspect, but the post credit scene is the only reason I'm going to see Eternals. If I'm honest, honestly it too. Cause that was what it was like for uh, Captain Marvel for me, just right. because it was the movie before and yeah. How does it connect to the other one? Mm-hmm. Right. But kind of going off that, you know, definitely a good movie. If you just want to have some fun, go see it. You know, it, it's a good time, but right. kind of diving more into just to get you guys a little acclimated with us about what we like. You kind of could tell we're big superhero fans, right? But we also kind of want to give you more insight on my, like what made us get into film so much. So we actually want to just give you a little a little list of like some of our favorite films that really impacted us into getting serious about film. And Noah, I know you got your list ready, so I've got like I've to- got I've got uh, a couple good ones here. I I, I wrote down. Uh, Star Wars, even though I knew it was for both of us. So the first movie that I, I said was very influential to me was 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, I saw that movie in 2009 
uh, my dad introduced it to me, and he introduced it to me for one reason, mm-hmm. the cinematography. Um, and there's another movie on my list that, that the cinematography really, uh, really does numbers for the film as well. Uh, but the cinematography in 2001 A Space Odyssey is nothing really short of incredible, especially for the time it was made. Um, there's a scene in the movie where Dave is running on a treadmill, but the treadmill is like a 360. Mm-hmm. He's in space. It's anti-gravity. So they filmed it, and it makes it seem like... And I still don't know how it's done. I'm sure I could look it up. I kind of don't want to because it ruined the... Ruined the, uh, ruin the, the illusion ruin for the it. movie magic. Um, but it really... They, they confuse the audience. That's, that's, that, was, that was the big thing for me. They confuse the audience. Um... Another one, uh, another scene in the movie that really kind of takes the cake is they are starting to figure out that the HAL 9000, which is the AI controlling their ship, who's played by Claude Rains, by the way, the one of the most fantastic voice performances ever. He creates a very mundane tone, and it's... It, one, it's very endearing at some points because he starts singing uh, Daisy, Daisy. Uh, but it ultimately turns very sinister because there is no emotion behind it. There shouldn't be. It's not a human. It's a robot. Right. So they cut, they realize that he's kind of taken over and he's betraying them for, for the sake of, of their own mission. Um, and they lock themselves away from him in a soundproofing that, that uh, Hal cannot hear it, hear them, hear them talk about how they're going to betray him. But, while that's happening, the way the scene is shot, Dave and the other, I forget the other guy's name, uh, they're talking beyond a window and how you get the, you get the perspective of how zooming in on their mouths, which is one terrifying because Hal can lip read and he's really getting everything they're saying. And he knows that they're, they're going to try and uh, try and overtake him. Uh, but two, it's genius because you don't have to know what the characters are saying. But it's like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. You don't have to know what the characters are saying. because but you the know scene, he knows. Right. The scene is silent, and you know that Hal is just, he's smarter, he's better, he's going, he's going to beat them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I mean, <laughs> I could say spoiler alert, but 2001 Space Odyssey has been, been out for, for oh, a couple decades now. Yeah, you know? a few decades. Um Hal loses. Hal, Hal gets. Hal gets shut down, and he sings a, a rendition of Daisy Daisy. That, um, but that movie really, really got me into film because it was confusing. A movie that confuses me, not like plot wise, but like how did they do that? How mm-hmm. did they make me feel a certain way? That is what's going to get me interested in the craft itself because you always want to see the inner workings of you know what's what's doing that to you. Mm-hmm. You know what, what? What do you got, Mike? What's what would you say is is one of your more influential films? It's probably one of the first ones that my dad showed me. It has to be Back to the Future. Yeah, that was probably my stepping stone into enjoying cinema, especially movies from the eighties. Like that was really my first taste of movies from the eighties. The Big Zemeckis, mm-hmm. Robert yeah. Zemeckis, love the love the guy. You know that movie just alone was just exciting. It was fun. The characters were lovable, and you know the aspect of time travel just always fascinated me. Yeah, and 
it's just like you could do anything with it and that was kind of got me interested from a story perspective because i'm a big story guy i love i'm more of a plot-based guy i love looking at stories and stuff like that it's just it's such a simple idea taking a car from the 80s turn it into a time machine and just going on adventures it's it's simple yeah it's it's easy to follow you know the, the science behind it they have a couple words in there it's just like oh you know the flux capacitor they don't go into yeah, detail about I don't what, know the, what a flux is yeah i don't know what the heck it is i don't know what the flux that is but it's, it's like you you're immersed in the world where it's like i get that and it's just simple to follow and it was just got me into it it was just one of the first times you know me and my dad really were just bonding over film and stuff like that would that count as a coming of age story would 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 back to the future count as a coming of age story it depends who, like, what character we're talking about. Because mm. for Doc, you could say it's coming of age story for him because he f- finds his place in the world by the third movie. Right. You know, Marty already has the girl when the movie starts. He just gets a better life. You know, you know you're absolutely right. Normally it is, like, the, the protagonist needs to, not needs to, but typically they get get the love interest at the end. Yeah, he always, But he starts the movie with it. Yeah, he always has the love interest. Huh. When you think about it, you know, Doc is the one that really goes through the character the you know joseph campbell's hero's journey almost yeah which I, a lot of people don't think about because you think marty mcfly is the main character but like if you really look into it i think dot brown is more of the main character and really should be it really is into. his story it's really yeah. about him yeah he literally he escapes death he first cr- film he, he just he just doesn't die he creates time travel to. you know he <laughs> it's just it's really doc's story if you look at it and i think the only reason we have marty is because, you know, at the time they were trying to make a teenage movie dedicated more to a younger audience, having a star like Michael J. Fox, you know, from Family Ties and all that stuff. He was already a big name as it is. Get a lot of that younger audience in. Yeah. So. And I mean, that's just, this is going to sound like so dumb, but like that is just such a movie, you know, that like Back to the Future is just such a movie. And and one of the movies I have on my list is I described in the same way, Jurassic Park. Um it's just such a movie. And what, what I mean by that is that it is able to put something on screen that could never happen, right? Is not even like, it, it's not attainable to, to the people that would be watching, but it would convince the people that would be watching, that would be watching, that it is attainable. You know, it, it's taking something that shouldn't be possible and making it possible on the screen. You know, you, you can't make you can't make a time machine out of a DeLorean. You can't do that. You can't. But they did it. They did it. You can't take DNA out of a mosquito and make a dinosaur. I mean, now you maybe you can. They're saying you can. Oh my god, I, I'm not gonna get started on that. I don't think I don't think we're bringing dinosaurs back. Either way, it's a bad idea. And Jurassic Park is the exact movie to tell you why. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. There's not many. There's not many movies involving dinosaur in like a almost horror aspect in some cases in that yeah. movie. Because so. I don't think it's a horror movie, uh, technically speaking, but there are terrifying bits of it. Like, I'm not scared of, like, the T-Rex scenes. The T-Rex scenes are, like, more like, a wow. Like, this movie is, it's revolutionary. It's really changing the way people make movies. The really scary bit is... The raptors. The raptors. The raptors in the kitchen. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. Practi- you see that practical too, for the most part. Yeah, well, yeah, they are they are puppets because you see them come through the door and someone's hand. Yeah, because like, <laughs> it's it almost falls over and someone uh, you can see one of the one of the crew uh, shift it back into place. But Jurassic Park is 
one of the I, I I'd say one of the best films of all time. I, I wouldn't call it the best film of all time. It's definitely one of the most influential, definitely one of the most well known. It definitely you right. know, my little cousins uh love that movie to death and you know, they're ten, yeah, six years old now. So it's like it's even impacting kids at such a young age now. Yeah, so. I mean it's timeless. It's a movie has to be timeless to be one like even considered to be one of the best movies. Oh yeah, you know, and right right up there with it is like Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Jones. I'm pretty sure in like 20 years, people will still be watching Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I think even even diving more into it's, look at horror. You know, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. Those are such iconic. Those franchises will never die. They'll never die. They yeah. won't. <laughs> they got the new Halloween movie coming out this Friday. Halloween. Ki- oh, is that f- this Friday? This Friday, which I might we might have to go see. This is it weekend. the same day as James Bond? No, James Bond came out this past weekend because I saw it on Friday. I, oh, you just saw it? I did see it. Side tangent. Any good? I loved it. It's good? I <laughs> <Okay>. absolutely <laughs> love it. It's probably one of it. I think it might be my new favorite James Bond now. Really? Goldfinger's always been my favorite. I'm a sucker for Sean Connery, but this right. one might be my new favorite just because of how they ended it. And I won't spoil because it, it just came out, so I'm not going to. You're going to kill me. I've only seen Quantum of Solace of the Daniel Craig movie. And that's Craig the movies. worst one. Yeah, it's known as the, <laughs> it is known as the worst one. I went and saw that in theaters. With my dad and my brother. But I didn't see Casino Royale, and my dad and my brother dragged me to watch Quantum of Solace. And I don't remember anything about the movie. It's boring. Just that the dude is sent out into the desert with a tank of gasoline at the end. That's it. That's the only thing I remember. I don't have to worry about that. Maybe we'll do a, Maybe we'll uh, do that when we start doing our commentary tracks. Do a watch through. Do a watch through movies. The, at least the Daniel Craig ones. Maybe not all of them because that, that's yeah. like twenty five. D- definitely right the there. Daniel Craig ones because the only ones that I actually like remember watching more than once were the Pierce Brosnan ones. Oh, Goldeneye! I love Goldeneye too. That's like die top. another die another day. Die another day is a good one. Uh, definitely. But, my big one. You know, it's, it's characters like that that are just so influential. And it's not even the films itself, but it is more or less the characters. You know, when you think of Star Wars, you just don't you think of someone like Luke Skywalker, right? Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, you know? Yeah. And like, like you think about them like now, the characters get to you. Right. But like it's different generationally, I think, because when I was younger, all I was like, ooh, pretty colors. People are clashing lightsabers Yeah, but there's more to it. Yeah, there's more to it as you you grow up and you, like, watch the movies again, you start to listen, you start to see dynamic between characters. It's really fascinating. Film, Film, I mean, is just... Film is one of the best art forms, I think. It definitely is, but you know what's really more fun when it comes to film? It's trying to guess crappy... Uh, <laughs> crappy synopsises, which is we're going to move on to our final segment of the episode, folks. Guess that film, where each week Noah or myself will have to guess films based off of crappy synopsises or comments left by people on certain videos. Right. So, Noah, you're going. You're how much gonna, time do we got left here? Oh, we got plenty of time left, so we could definitely go maybe get a couple in. You know, see how. All we're, right, uh, well, I've got I've got five written down here. And please um, play along at home. We would love to hear your, uh, you know, leave it in the comments, like if, how many you get right. We would love to see, you know, if you guys are going to enjoy this segment for the future. So Noah, hit me. What do we got? Absolutely. So I've got five movie synopses that don't actually, well, that do describe the movie, but they're not going to do it very well. You're going to have to guess what the movie is. Okay. All, All right. right. I know. Before we get started, well known. Like I would know these if I put a lot you of. Okay, I should. I right. hope you've seen these movies. I hope. We have a movie podcast now. Well, you should have seen I, these I movies. Hopefully, well, all right. <laughs> don't, no, no pressure. Let's go. All right. Number one. Grinch discovers that life is a lie. 
Okay, I, I want to say it's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but no. like that just seems too obvious. It's yeah, it's not. Grinch, Grinch discovers that life is a lie. Not a Christmas Carol, because I'm trying to think like Jim Carrey movies, a Christmas Carol, but like that doesn't make much sense. Is it a Christmas Carol? No, but okay. you're on the right track. Okay, so it's Jim Carrey for sure. Not the mask. That doesn't make any sense. Read it one more time. Let me just let me give me one more. And if not, I don't get this next one. Just tell me what it is. Grinch discovers that life is a lie. You're you're dead on with the Jim Carrey thing. You just got to think about life is a lie. Life is a lie. Is it uh, Truman Show? It is. It's okay. the Truman yeah, it's Show. The Truman Show. That's right. one point on the board for Mike. All right. Cool. That movie's great. I, I love that one. Yeah. That is classic. And for you know what? It's so funny. I used to think that RoboCop was the guy in the movie, but it's not. It's not uh, Peter Weller. It's Ed Harris. It is Ed Harris. Uh, okay. Next. Ready to go? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I, I'm realizing that some of these are just renamed characters. Okay. Snape versus Cowboy, A Christmas Story. Die Hard. Yeah. Okay, that that, that was pretty, that that yeah, pretty, pretty easy one. This one, oh, I don't, you know what? This one, I don't know if you would have seen. I think you've seen it. Anyway, okay. Obi-Wan has a heroin problem. Uh, Transpotting or whatever. Tra- yeah, transpotting. Transpotting. Yeah, so, yeah. so Ewan McGregor in that movie uh, is a heroin addict. And it's, it's a tough movie to watch. It really is. But after watching Star Wars... It's weird to see him do something like that. It almost becomes like a pseudo uh, a pseudo comedy because it's just it's it's you see Obi-Wan Kenobi high. <laughs> it's Obi-Wan getting strung out on H, you know, <laughs> it's it's like oh it's tough not to laugh at that. All right. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. Give me the hit me. What All right. The fourth one. Four out of five. Banker uses shoes and tre- and chess to find freedom. Again, banker uses shoes and chess to find freedom. Shawshank Redemption. It is. Awesome. I'm, that is I'm, insane. There we go. There we go. I wouldn't have gotten that. All right. Damn. I, I feel pretty good right now. I feel pretty good right now. I was really proud of the shoes bit. <laughs> See, I, 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 that's what kind of got me on it. I'm like, shoes, freedom, banker. I was like, Andy Dufresne. Boom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At first, I, I, I had forgotten whether or not he was like a banker or an accountant or an attorney or something. It's but such a remembered... tiny detail that most people wouldn't remember. Yeah, so. but then I remembered he ran the warden's finances, and then at the end... He did everyone's he... taxes, and he yeah, exposed... He yeah, and then, you know, gets a stupid amount of money from the bank cause, just because he knows loopholes. Can... All right, this is the last one I have. All right. Smartass goes to therapy. Can I get a hint? Is it recent? Like, a, the past 20 years? No. Okay, smartass goes to therapy. Ooh, it's kind of it's kind of general. This could, I mean, it, if I'm being honest, it could describe a couple different movies. It can, so that's what I'm trying to. But process. there's one big one that's like, like yeah, that's it. By the way, I don't have the movie. I don't know why I'm like keeping the screen from you. I don't have the movie written down. Just the synopsis. I have no. I'm gonna be honest. I do not know. Should I just tell you? Just tell me. Just tell okay, me. it's Goodwill Hunting. <sighs> that I makes wanted to sense. do a little bit of a wordplay because. Uh, Matt Damon's character, Will Hunting, funny enough, um, in the movie is a smartass, but he's really he's really stupid smart. Yeah, yeah. Good, so I wanted to do a little bit of a little bit of wordplay there, but I also wanted to be very general. I'm glad that that one. I'm glad that I got you with one. You went I, four I, for five. Okay, I'll take. I'm glad I got the Shawshank one though. I'll take that one. The victory. That one. I'm. Uh, I, I don't know. I got to try harder. I got to try harder for that one. That's all right. Well, we always <laughs> got next week. And looking at that, or next week, two next, weeks. 
we like, got yeah, two, weeks. two weeks so bi-weekly show everyone so actually i think we're going to be wrapping it up today's episode we're coming to our time limit here so thank you all for joining for the first episode of quiet in front please don't forget to like and subscribe to for future episodes and content whatever platforms we're on yeah, you know, follow us on instagram we're definitely yeah we're on instagram now the quiet in front podcast it's on instagram you yes know, sir give us a follow you know we would love to hear back your guys feedback of what you want to hear maybe next week we could talk about stuff that you guys want to we are going to be starting our commentary tracks at some point so if you have ideas for movies that you would like us to watch and talk through i know that's kind of counterproductive if you'd like <laughs> us to watch movies and talk through them um you can email us we uh, we uh we yeah. set up our email account. quiet in front at gmail.com absolutely uh, quiet in front 2021 at gmail.com yeah don't quote me on that but we'll have it all in the description of the podcast (laughs) with all the information where you can reach us it'll be there it will be be there there. and we'll be back in two weeks so thank you all for joining i'm michael i'm noah and we are signing off for today's episode thanks everyone have a good one thanks for listening to the quiet in front podcast We'll see you in two weeks with our latest thoughts on your favorite movies. Don't forget to catch up on previous episodes on the Quiet in Front YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'm Michael McDonald. And I'm Noah Philman. And we are signing off for today's episode. Mm